Hello and welcome to Mindful Traveler, the podcast that helps you better understand yourself and the world through mindfulness techniques and world exploration. I'm your host, Robert McKay, and I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey. Today I want to start the show with the travel segment, and I want to discuss two different types of travel mindsets. Um, We have the short-term and the long-term travel mindset. Now, I know that not every one of you or everyone in the world is capable of sustained long-term travel like what I'm doing, but we're not talking about your actual length of travel. We're talking about your mindset while you travel, no matter how long the actual trip is. We have short-term and long-term. Short-term is the most common travel mindset. It's says, I have to get as much out of this trip as quickly as I can because I don't know how many of these trips I'm going to have or if I'm ever going to come back to this location. So I have to do absolutely everything I can as fast as I can to get as much experience out of this as possible. It's really easy to fall into that mindset because you want to get your money's worth. You've paid, you saved, you want everything you can wring out of it. Now, the other mindset is the long-term travel mindset. The difference is that rather than trying to see every little bit of tourist zone that there is, hiking every waterfall, going to every temple, every church, every museum, you're not focusing on how many things you get done on your trip. You're focusing on the quality of the interactions in your trip and how much you're going to really remember and what you're going to take away long-term in your life, something that you're going to remember forever and maybe even continue to build upon throughout your life. So I think it's a little easier to kind of think about them in terms of little anecdotes. So let's start off with the short-term mindset because that is the one that everybody is a little more familiar with. It's much more common. So let's set the scene. You've saved up big wad of cash you bought a plane ticket to an exotic location and you're ready to go you are super excited you your plane lands you get to the hotel you drop your bag and immediately hit the town to explore you're totally buzzed you've got your list with you of all the places you want to see and you think maybe you can get to three or four of them before you're too tired to stand up So you head out, ignore all the people trying to tell you where you need to go because you already know you've planned it all. You've got this temple to see, that museum, this street art. You know where you're going to go and you're walking, you're taking transit, whatever it takes to get there as fast as you can because you want to see all the things and you've got your trusty camera right by your side because... 
you have to document all this stuff. So you go through, you pound through, you get three or four things checked off your list. And by then it's late evening. You're so tired that all you can do is grab some fast food and head back to your hotel. So you get back, crash out in your hotel, set an alarm for as early as you think you can possibly get up so that you can get up and do it again the next day. And leather rinse and repeat until the end of your vacation. You check off must-see attractions, must-eat foods, must-do experiences until you've done so much that you can't, you couldn't possibly remember it all without having that trusty phone or camera by your side. And so you get back on your plane and you head back home and maybe you're lucky enough to have a buddy that's gone to the same place that you have and you sit down to talk about it and you're like, I went to X place and it was awesome. You've been there, right? Yeah. I've been there. Did you see hashtag one cool thing? Yeah, it was amazing. And that's basically all you have to say about it. And all you have to say about most of your experiences. Because all you really did was see them. So, is that really a bad thing? No, not if your main goal is to collect as many quick experiences and see as many pretty, you know, see as many pretty things and cool things as you can. But is that all you really want out of travel? You just want an Instagram feed packed with beautiful pictures that you can barely remember? Or do you want something more like the long-term travel experience? So let's set the scene on this one. You fly out, land at your destination, and head to your hostel. And you get there, and you check in, and you go down and hang out in the common space because you're really too exhausted to go out and explore right now, but you're not tired enough to go to sleep. So you're just going to chill in the common area. And hey, you meet a couple of cool people strike up a conversation, and they start telling you about a local that they met the other day that's talking about some sort of crazy experience that they've never heard of, they've never seen in any of the guidebooks, you've done all of your research, so you've never heard about it, and you've never heard about it either, so this has got to be some super off-the-beaten-track thing, and you decide, sure, yeah, why not? I don't have any specific plans. Why don't I go ahead and go with these people tomorrow? So you go to bed early, get up early, and you go out and you meet back up with your friends that you met in the hostel uh, common room. And they take you to this local guy that has promised to take you on this two-day-long trek into the forest or up a mountain or what have you, to see the most amazing thing you've ever seen or heard of in your entire life. You're camping for two days, barely getting any sleep because it's kind of cold or kind of hot, really uncomfortable, 
But the whole time, you have this local guy telling you everything about his country, his culture, and you're laughing with your friends. They're Maybe they're playing guitar around a fire at night. You're learning more about these people than you've known about some of the people that you hang out with every day in your regular at-home life. They become the closest friends you have in like no time at all. You go do the amazing thing. It is awesome. You take a few pictures, but mostly it's all in your head. And you go back, you finish out the rest of your stay doing more cool things with these um, people that you met at the hostel. Some of them that you were looking forward to doing just on your research, some of them that you'd never heard of. And all in all, you just have a lot of really cool conversations. You go hang out, drink some beers together, and make some of the best friends you've ever had. You go home, and you can't get this trip out of your mind. You are so happy with the way that you learned about the local destination because of that local guy that took you around. You decide to go back to that same location multiple times throughout your life. Those people that you met, some of them stay really close even after the trip is over. Maybe you go traveling with them later. And even beyond that, maybe one of them comes so close they, you know, they attend your wedding or even take part in your wedding. That's the kind of things that you don't really seek out when you're in a long-term travel mindset. They just kind of happen. It's being open to doing whatever sounds really cool in the moment and being committed to just enjoying your time in whatever fashion comes to you. You don't have everything super scheduled. You don't have a huge task list of things that you need to check off to make this successful. You just live through it. And that is the way that I prefer to travel. Long-term mindset, even if you only have a couple of days in a destination, you can do this same thing. You can just chill out. <laughs> you don't have to do absolutely everything. And I promise that you're not going to feel cheated when you come to the end and you don't have some huge long list of monuments and sculptures and waterfalls that you've seen. Yeah, it might be a little weird talking to people about your travels because they're asking you, hey, did you see X or Y or Z? You're going to say, no, I didn't see any of that. I did see this one thing. And they're not going to know what that is. And you're going to have a hard time explaining what it was because it was just all about the experience, not about, you know, the pictures that you have don't do it justice. And so it is going to be a little awkward to talk about, but talking about that huge laundry list of things that you did is awkward too. Truth is, unless somebody is going along with you and experiencing these things along with you, or has done something very, very similar, you're not going to be able to share it in the way that you want. 
So that's why it's, in my opinion, really important to meet these people and experience it with other people. And that way you have this experience that you can always share with them. If you want to talk about it, you're feeling nostalgic about this one thing that you did, you can contact those same people who did it with you and talk to them about it. So yeah, that's kind of the difference between short-term and long-term mindset when you travel. And I hope that if you can try it out, just take the time to really slow down in your travels and experience things with that long-term mindset. I think in the end, you'll really thank yourself for it. Oh, and obviously the one big difference between those two experiences that I talked about other than the mindset was hotel versus hostel. Those in themselves will help change your experience. Hotels can be really cool if you're looking to just relax, be alone, ground yourself, and just enjoy luxury and, you know, get out of your normal life experience for a little while and just be taken care of, sure, go to a hotel. But if you haven't ever tried a hostel or don't know what a hostel is, they are a great way to really turn up the dial on your experience in terms of interaction with others and just potential for random amazingness to happen. Um, hostels are basically, if you don't know, they're like cheap hotels. Many of them have dorm rooms where you can stay with multiple people in one room, but they do also have private rooms. I suggest trying a dorm, see if you can, you know, swing a couple other people snoring in your room because you get closer to those people, you have more chances for interaction. But even if you stay in a private room, go hang out in the common room like I was talking about in my little story because that's where all the action happens. Introduce yourself, meet people there, say, hey, you mind if I join you? And they're travelers. They're going to be a little lonely like you are. They will 99% of the time say, yeah, sit down. Maybe they'll even buy you a drink. It is one of the easiest and most authentic ways to find other travelers. So definitely give hostels a try. If you've tried them in certain locations and they were crappy, Try them somewhere else because the hostel, hostel experience varies greatly depending on location from continent to continent, especially, but even from city to city or country to country in Europe, it's very different than in Asia and in North and South America. They're very different than either of those. So yeah. Try it at least once. I recommend trying it at a few different locations and you'll find you'll find the groove that works for you. And the nice thing is they're cheap. So even if you hate it, odds are you can still afford to go someplace nicer, get a hotel if you just book your hostel for a couple of days. So 
yeah, so that is my my tip for getting those more authentic, more long-term mindset um, travel experiences. Now, keep in mind, there will be travelers at those hostels as well that are very short-term mindset driven. They will be running around constantly doing all those things that the short-term mindset travelers do. It is very common there, but you don't have to fall into that trap with them. You can go hang out, do this one thing, and let them keep burning on through their list of adventures. Or you can find the more relaxed travelers and seek them out. You can tell because they will just be chilling in the common room for a couple of hours rather than <laughs> than sitting there with their bags getting ready to, to run out every time you see them. So, yeah, it's... I think, I think we've covered it pretty well, but yeah, try the long-term mindset, try hostels, and I think you will have a whole different travel experience than what you're used to, and overall, I think it will be better. I think that's a good place to stop our travel segment for today, and let's move on to mindfulness. Now, I think mindfulness actually pairs pretty well with the travel segment because shifting your mindset to a more long-term travel mindset can be uncomfortable because you're going to be doing things that you're not comfortable with and that can be hard. So mindfulness is one way that you can help yourself get over that. And so let's start off, first of all, talking about what mindfulness is and I think actually better a better place to start is with what mindfulness isn't. So first of all, mindfulness isn't meditation. You can practice meditation um, and you can practice mindfulness through meditation, but that's just one of many ways that you can practice it. That being said, I do believe it's one of the most helpful ways, and I highly recommend it. And also, mindfulness isn't religious. It's something that anyone of any level of religiousness or lack of religion can practice, and I think they should, regardless of whatever they may believe. And also, mindfulness is not the absence of thought or being calm or any other particular way of being or thinking. Also, mindfulness isn't easy. As the famous self-help guru Mel Robbins says, it's simple, but it's not easy. So it's very easy to grasp the concept, but putting it into practice can take a lot of effort. And finally, mindfulness isn't an instant cure or a cure-all. It can be really effective in helping you get through your daily struggles, but it won't instantly make your life a magical wonderland without any trouble at all in it. And it is a practice. If, If you're listening to anybody talk about mindfulness, they'll talk about it being a practice. It's something that you have to adopt over the long term in order to see the lasting benefits. So now that we know what mindfulness isn't, isn't, let's talk about 
what it is and how it can help you. Mindfulness really entered the collective consciousness about 30 years ago with uh, John Kabat-Zinn when he introduced the idea of mindfulness-based stress reduction. Uh, he defined mindfulness as paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and without judgment. So really that's what mindfulness comes down to, is just being present and really paying attention to what is happening around you. Um, I kind of think of it as disengaging your autopilot and going back to flying manually. It helps you to pay more attention to your reactions to things and what's going on around you. And since you're paying attention, it can help you change those reactions to things that are more helpful. One of the uh, biggest reactions that I've learned to deal with since practicing mindfulness is my fear reaction. I talked about my anxiety in the first episode, and obviously, or maybe not so obviously, if you haven't really thought about anxiety, anxiety is fed by fear. One of the core focuses of mindfulness meditation is learning to deal with thoughts and emotions in a more helpful way. So one of the techniques I've been practicing involves bringing to mind an event that brings up a strong emotion. And in my case, one of the first ones I focused on was my fear or my anxiety. So once you've brought that thought into mind and you've, you're focused on it, you turn rather than your normal reaction, which is to turn away from uncomfortable feelings you mentally turn yourself toward those feelings and the sensations in your body and how you feel them. In my case, it's all about a tightness in the chest and in the throat. And you learn to sit with those thoughts and feelings, just trying not to change them, allowing them to be just as they are, and eventually you'll come to realize that they're nothing more than thoughts, really. Your, your mind is getting uncomfortable with thoughts, and they cause a physical reaction. And the nice thing about thoughts is they're not facts. Just because you feel and think something doesn't mean it's true, and just because you're scared of something doesn't mean that there's a good reason to feel that way. Fear is really just a way for your body to protect itself from harm. And for me, one of those, uh, one of the things that caused my anxiety and my fear was interactions with people in situations where I didn't, I just wasn't confident in my knowledge of how to handle the interaction or how it would play out. <laughs> so basically that was everything that was in my life since I'd become a traveler. Everything was constantly changing. So I was afraid of going to an unfamiliar restaurant, a store, a social gathering or outing. And in the case of the social gatherings, since they weren't required for survival, I basically just stopped doing them. So yeah, that's real healthy. And then with things like grocery shopping, I managed to do it because I had to. And I did them often enough, often enough that I built up a little tolerance, but 
still when something would change from the norm, when a cashier would maybe try to ask me for smaller change, and then they would get annoyed because I didn't understand, my chest would just clench and I would feel utterly overwhelmed. And it happened so often that I just kind of got used to that being the way that things were in my life. So it was a complete surprise to me that after a few months of mindfulness practice, I found myself able to go into a pharmacy when I was in Romania. And I had to ask for some anti-itch cream for some bug bites. And I did it without too much fear and trepidation. I went the day that I'd planned on, didn't put it off. And when I got in into the pharmacy, they didn't really know what they want, what I wanted. They didn't understand what I was trying to say at first, but I did my best to sort it out with hand gestures and Google translate. And they finally got the item out. I was looking for, gave me a price and it was about three times as much as I wanted to pay. Now, normally in those situations, I would have either just bought the thing and paid way too much for it or left and put it off for another few days and, you know, maybe not even bought the thing at all. But instead, I went to another pharmacy and another one. And finally, I got a price that I was willing to pay. And each time I still had to do that awkward thing where I tried to help them figure out what it was I wanted, but I made it through. And it was just, it was, I don't know, it, for those of you that don't struggle with anxiety, it may not sound like much, but for me, it was like I'd become a whole new person. While you may not struggle with going into the pharmacy, everyone else, everyone has something they struggle with. So I urge you to give mindfulness meditation a shot and see if it can help you like it did me. So I'm going to leave some links in the show notes and also on my website where I'm going to post this podcast. It's going to be at mindful-traveler.com. So if you want to leave some written comments for me, you can leave them there on the blog. And I'll have those links to um, some places where you can learn to practice mindfulness. And um, they're ones that I've actually used, so I know that they're helpful. And if you want to comment and leave some other resources that you've used, for um, to help everybody else that would be appreciated as well and with all that said i think i'm going to end the show there today thank you very much for listening and i will see you next week